Chapter 5 of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Return of the Skinny Guy. We were glad that we had our own canoes and skiffs on the water again. Gee, but a fella misses a thing like that once he's used to it. But we still remembered that we had got them back by a trick, and that sooner or later we might expect Pooley's knights of the square table to come and try to steal them again. To add to my worries, the twins, Oliver and Harold Court, had come back from their fancy school in Massachusetts. You see, we had eleven members in our clubhouse, and now with the twins coming, there were thirteen. Well, you can see for yourself. You know that Jerry Moore was always superstitious. He never liked thirteen. And if it had only been Jerry, I might have said it wasn't much to worry about. But even Johnny McLaren, he too, had always a dislike for anything that numbered 13. Unlucky, he says. He was our first captain, Johnny McLaren was, when we first organized our little club. And because there were 13 fellows in it then, he held a court-martial and dismissed a boy named Booby Warren, who had to resign, of course. I used to say to him, I'd rather have 13 than 12 if we're ever in a fight. That extra fellow might save us from getting a beating. Well, he would say, it wasn't lucky to have 13, and we might as well play safe for luck when we knew 13 was unlucky. What do you propose to do, I asked. Just this, said Johnny, stepping up to my desk and beginning to draw imaginary diagrams with his fingertips. We've got to let out one boy. I don't care who it is. Jerry and me are set on it. We've got to let one out. Don't make any difference to me which one. It can be me for all I care. I smiled sadly and shook my head. Johnny, I said, it don't sound like your old self, boy. Why, who would you let out? You can't pick out any single boy in our club that you'd want to drop. You like them all too well. Lesson maybe it might be me. If you want me to go, Johnny, I'm tired of being your secretary anyhow, and I won't hold any hard feelings against you. Can that stuff, he broke in. We won't let you go, Hawkins. Now, Jerry and me, we've been talking this over, and seeing as we are the only two who seem to care about it, maybe it ought to be one of us. We're even willing that it should be so, Hawkins. No, I shouted. Not by a jugful, Johnny. I've been your old standby too long. I got sort of like you, and I can't think of the time I'll ever have to say goodbye to you. You can think again on that. Jerry Moore was grinning as he walked over to my desk. That lets you out, Johnny, he said. Maybe the old secretary can let me go, though. I've been lots of times a bother to him, and he always calls me the pessimist of this club. I'm willing to go if you say the word, Hawkins. 
I did not look up. I picked up my pen and dipped it into the ink and began to write in my minute book. Maybe, I said, and maybe not. Seems like you ought to stay around here too, Jerry. You've been a bother lots of times, but did I ever say I cared what you were? You were my friend, and you were always true blue to the club. You can keep on being a pessimist for all I care, but you gotta be right here in this clubhouse. By golly! I stopped writing and looked up as I continued, We need a pessimist here sometimes, Jerry. I smiled up at him as I said it, and the poor old kid, like the great, big, good-hearted boy he was, he told me with the look in his eyes that he liked me for saying that. I held out my hand, and he shook it. Thanks, Hawkins, he said. Then, turning to Johnny, he continued, We told Bill Darby we'd be down. Yeah, we better go, said Johnny. And together they went out, and I heard their muffled voices as their footsteps died out on the river path. I had shamed Johnny and Jerry Moore about the unlucky number 13, but it came up again at the next meeting. Dick Ferris, our captain, said that every boy in the club had a voice and could say what he thought, and that it was up to the vote of the whole membership whatever was proposed. It's just this way, Jerry Moore was saying. Thirteen ain't a healthy number, that's all. We all know we have trouble enough without waving a red shirt in the face of a bull. What's the use of having thirteen members? We can get along with twelve just as well. All right, said Dick. We will have to vote on it. Which member do you want to drop out? I knew which one they would drop out. That's why I walked out on the porch. I saw that I was not going to have much say-so about this matter, and I was a little peeved at Jerry for bringing up the subject again. I knew if he caught my eye, he would shut up, after the way I talked to him, but I knew, too, that it would only be a little time until he brought it up again. So I walked out on the porch and waited there, so that they could settle this question now, once and for all. I knew which one. Yeah, I knew. I knew it as well as I knew my name. They would pick on poor little Perry Stokes, and he would be the one that would get bounced out. They wouldn't choose to let out the last new member, that would mean Herb Acom, and the boys liked Herb very much and knew he would be a valuable addition to the club. But poor little old Perry, my old bodyguard, yeah, him they'd pick out and kick out without any regrets whatever. It made me blue. That's why I went out on the porch alone, to let them settle it among themselves. Not for me. You wouldn't get me inside that clubhouse when they got up and told poor little old Perry to pack up and get. No, sir. Perry was too darn good for that whole bunch. They didn't know him like I did. He didn't always do for them what he'd do for me. But my eye caught something on the river, far away. 
And I forgot about the boys in the clubhouse. What was it, the first minute I saw it, that held my gaze upon that swiftly moving white streak that was coming all speed from the direction of Watertown? What was it but a nifty white launch with cabin windows and little pilot house? Boys, I yelled, boys, come out here quick. They trooped out upon the porch. I pointed toward the upper bend of the river. The boat had neared us now. You've been mistaken all along, I said, as I turned to Jerry Moore and Johnny McLaren, who stood behind me. You boys thought we had thirteen members. We forgot one. There he is, coming like a streak of lightning. We've got fourteen members, Jerry. Here's one you overlooked. Link. The skinny guy. He's coming to spend the summer, most likely. Let's all go down and give him the glad hand. Which we did. End of chapter five. Read by Carrie Adams, your book voice at Mesa, Arizona on the 4th of April, 2022.